0: Feel good? Come on, you excited for a good night? I don't know if I believe you. I'm gonna get you there, though. Hey, listen. I believe God has given me a word. Uh, I believe that uh, someone is in here tonight. You're gonna experience salvation for the first time. I believe there's someone in this room that's gonna experience healing tonight. Uh, I believe someone's walked in here uh, neck deep in depression and anxiety, and I believe that God is gonna speak directly to that tonight. God is gonna speak to your issue tonight, uh, man. I, I I come here with great expectation for what God's gonna do. And hey, look. My name is Andrew Patron. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and i love getting to hang with y'all y'all enjoy thursday nights man i hope that you came expecting for, for god to do something powerful we're in a series called follow me uh, last week connor crushed it it was so amazing go back and, and listen on, on youtube or go to our app or whatever it might be uh, but we're in this series called follow me and basically the premise of this series is that once god saves you god then calls you God saves you and then God calls you to something. He calls you to a new life. He calls you to a new way of living. Ephesians 2 says that for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. But it's not from you. It's a gift from God that God has saved you. It's not about what you've done. It's about what God did, okay? And it's just through our faith in him we can be saved. But then it goes on to say that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, okay? So God has saved us, and then we, in turn, God has now called us to live out the life that he has put before us. Matthew 16, 24 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me that when we follow god what we do is we say god to the best of my ability i'm going to de- de- to deny the things in my life I'm gonna deny my earthly pleasures and with my money my finances my job my relationships the best of my ability i'm going to submit my life under you listen after you get saved the first call that you have in your life is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. But then I believe the second call, and just as important, is to love people. Lo- lo- love people as you love yourself. And as Jesus would call disciples, there's this one moment in the Gospels, Jesus comes with a couple of disciples. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, Jesus was saying, look, follow me and I'll turn you into someone who makes more followers. Follow me and I'll turn you into someone who finds more disciples. Follow me and I'll turn you into someone who will impact and affect the kingdom of God, amen? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Listen, as believers, outside of surrendering your life daily to God, I believe the greatest call that you have is making God known to people. Listen, the bottom line tonight's message is that you will never find greater fulfillment as a believer until you join in the mission of finding lost people with Jesus Christ. Listen, tonight we're going to talk about God's heart for the lost people, and I believe it's going to begin to shift your heart for the lost people. Amen. Let me pray for you, God. I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, I believe that you have something so profound that you're going to speak to our group tonight. Lord, I pray, pray, Lord, that people would come with expectant hearts, open eyes, open ears. Lord God, I I pray that you would speak directly to us. God, we trust you and we give this night to you. And all guys, people said, Amen. amen. Hey, hug someone's neck on the way down. Tell them you love them. Question for you. Have you ever lost something of great value to you? Like you lost your keys, your phone, your wallet your selfie light, I don't know, like something, something of, of, of great value to you. And listen, when you lose something of great value to you, you will turn a place upside down trying to find that thing. You know, like you'll be throwing couch cushions, shoes, babies, whatever it might be. You lost something of value, you are going to do whatever you gotta do to find that thing. Listen, when you've lost something of value, it's all you can think about. When you've lost something of value, you don't think about the found things. When you're looking for your keys, you're not like, oh, there's my couch at least I got my couch, right? You, you, you are obsessed with the lost thing. You are distracted by what is lost. A couple uh, years ago, my son Abram, you guys got to meet him last week. He was on stage. Uh, my son Abram, we were hanging out. My wife was gone, and I, I was doing what all dads do. I, I was going to go out and mow the lawn. I got my new balance on and, and my jean shorts and <laughs> my tank top and my visor and my fanny pack, and I was all ready to go. And and I, I give my son a snack, and, and he's just hanging out. He, he's playing a game on my phone, something. And, and we're, we're out on the front porch, and he's on the front porch. He's just watching me mow the lawn, and I'm going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I, I, I'm going to go mow on the side of the house. I'm like, hey, Abe. I'm like, hey, sit here. I'm going to be on the side of the house for like 10 seconds. Do not move. Okay, Dad. Abram, seriously, don't, don't move. Okay. Hey, Abram, if you move you're in trouble. Okay, dad. All right, so so I, I, I go on the side of the house for, for 10 seconds, and I'm mowing the lawn, literally do like two stripes, perfect stripes, might, might I add you. I do two stripes on the side of the house, and I come back, and my son is gone. Gone. My wife doesn't know the story, so thank God she's not here. But my, my son is gone, and I have this, this this panic. If, if you're a parent in here and you've ever lost your kid for like more than two seconds, you, you, know, you know what happens inside your soul. And so I, I'm literally yelling, Abram! Abram! I have no idea where he's at. And a couple minutes go by and, and I'm actually starting to like panic. The, the, the worst thoughts go through my mind. I, I'm like literally starting to pray out loud like, God, where's my son? Like, is he okay? Where's he at? And so I go to the backyard and, I, and I'm searching for my son. All the doors are shut and everything. I can't find my son anywhere. And so I'm like screaming his name, and I go inside the house, and I'm looking, and I'm yelling his name. I can't find him anywhere, and I say, Abram, where are you? And all of a sudden, I hear, what? And I turn the corner, my son walks out, and he has his Spider-Man costume on with his Spider-Man mask. He's like, what? I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I want to be (sighs) Spider-Man. My God, he gives me a heart attack. It's like the cutest thing ever, but I want to give him spankings. I I thought in that moment I lost the most valuable thing to me, and and, and I panicked, and and I freaked out, and, and nothing else mattered to me at all. In that moment, the most valuable thing, my son, my child was lost, and I was freaking out, and nothing else mattered. I didn't care about any of the found things in my life. All I worried about was my lost child. Can I tell you that this is how God feels about his lost children? Can I tell you that if you sit in a room like this tonight and you don't have a relationship with God, can I tell you that God obsesses over you? That God hates that you are a lost child. Listen, don't get me wrong. God loves his found children. Okay, uh, God loves to bless his found children. God loves to to give favor to his children. God loves to look down on his His people who are worshiping and praising him. Listen, God says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Okay, God loves his found children, but God is focused on his lost children. Listen, can I tell you that that God does not look at the world and say, those are the Christians and those are the non-Christians. No, God looks at the world as humanity, that those are all my children, and I love them. I have some foul ones, but I have some lost ones, and I am focused on my lost children. Can I tell you that's the whole purpose why Jesus Christ came to this earth? Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and me. For God so valued every single one of us that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, this earth, to seek and to save the lost. Matthew nine ten. some Pharisees were questioning Jesus and said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And he said, it's because the healthy aren't the ones who need a doctor. The sick are the ones who need a doctor. He is focused on the lost. Listen, All throughout scripture, go read it for yourself in the Gospels, Jesus went out of his way to seek and to save the lost. The Samaritan woman, you you look at it for yourself, Jesus was going on on a direction to one city and he had to go out of his way to have an encounter with a woman at the well. Okay, the, the, the man who was an invalid for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus went out of his way to engage and to seek and to save a lost man. Zacchaeus, Jesus was on his way, crowds of people on his way to another place and he stopped where he was at to engage a tax collector, a sinner, to seek and to save the lost listen Luke 15 it tells Jesus tells a story three stories three parables he talks about a lost coin he talks about a lost sheep and a lost son and the moral of the stories is that I will leave the found things to go find the lost things listen Jesus was distracted by what was lost Jesus was distracted by what was lost hey can I get that mic this is driving me nuts. Sorry, Milana, you mad? <laughs> Guys, clap. Don't be awkward, clap. <laughs> oh. It'll be better for all of us. <laughs> That's the longest quarter of us. Oh my gosh, all right, all right, all right. Ooh, this sounds better. Oh, come on. Come on, somebody. If you're listening online, sorry, that was, that was probably more awkward in the room than you felt in your car, all right. Listen, Jesus was distracted by what was lost. Can I tell you that that God sent Jesus to this earth to to launch a giant search and rescue mission? And, And can I tell you that that mission, it continues with you and it continues with me. Listen, Jesus, he did his job. God sent Jesus, his one and only son, to this earth to seek and save the lost, to come to this earth to be a ransom for our sins. That Jesus Christ, he came to this earth and he died on the cross for us, for our sins. And three days later, he resurrected. Jesus did his job, but then Jesus now hands the baton to you and I. When Jesus left this earth, God left the Holy Spirit, who says that gives us authority and empowers us and emboldens us while we go on this mission that Jesus has gone before us with. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When you say yes to God, what happens then is that the Holy Spirit fills you. And then it gives you authority and empowers you to go and be a witness. And put that, put that verse back up. What this passage is saying in Acts 1-8. It's saying, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem. What this is saying to us in modern day time, whatever city you live in, Jerusalem, and then Judea and Samaria, whatever region you live in, whatever city or whatever, uh, whatever country you live in, and then to the ends of the earth. Basically, this passage is saying, anywhere you go, you are to go with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and be a witness to people who do not know, no matter what job you have no matter what city you go to, no matter what place you might fly to or wherever you might move to, that you are called to be a witness and the Holy Spirit gives you authority and gives you power. Listen, this is the ultimate mission of the church of Jesus Christ. And you as a believer... You are a part of the body of Jesus Christ, okay? Church is not a building. Church is you. You and I, we are the bride of Christ, and this is the ultimate mission of the church, to find lost people and to bring them to Jesus. Can, can I tell you that, that church gatherings are important? Can I tell you that, that this is extremely important for us to, to meet together, uh, to, to worship to, uh, to, to, to meet together and to have sermons and to have altar calls and pray together? Can I tell you that it's important for you to meet with your life group, to serve, uh, to, to give, to, to, to be in a life, whatever it might be, that these moments are extremely important for you. But can I tell you that the goal of the church is not to create some kind of Christian country club. Okay, the, the goal of the church is not for us just to come into this comfortable little bubble and just learn all the things about God and then go do nothing with it. Listen, the goal of the church when you walk into this room is for us to strengthen you, for us to encourage you, empower you, and build you, and then send you out on the mission that God has set before you to the ends of the earth, to your city, to your workplace. Don't get comfortable in an environment like this. Do not get it twisted that we do not do church so that we can just get really, really comfortable and all in our feelings. Like, does God want to speak to you in these moments? Does God want to heal you, restore you? Yes, but ultimately, God wants to strengthen you and encourage you to send you out into your world. Listen, once you say yes to Jesus, you are on a new assignment. When you say yes to Jesus, you are on a new mission of seeking, of finding, of sharing. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I was thinking about it. You're sitting in the room like this, and you're like, man, I've, I've heard this before. I've been in church for a long time. I get it. Love God, love people. <laughs> so Nice. But, but, but if I'm being really honest, when it comes to, like, seeking lost people, finding lost people, sharing my faith, um, it kind of sounds like the, the worst thing on the planet. Not because I'm a bad person, but uh, it, it's, it's like one of the most intimidating, daunting things on the planet, and I'm just not really here for. It. So great, have a good message up there, but I'm not sure if this is something that I can really do. And listen, I get it. I, I, I know I'm a pastor, but sometimes for me, sharing Jesus with people who need Jesus can actually be quite difficult for me. Listen, give me a mic up here, and I'll talk about Jesus all day long. Put me next to my neighbor, Mary, and I'm like a 13-year-old boy. I'm like, ah, Jesus, I don't know. (laughs) Mary, all right, talk to you soon. Like, I I think that as believers, we love to quote, like the Romans 116, like, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got it tattooed on my chest. I got it tattooed on my leg. But when it comes to telling somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'll save that for you with the mic. Let's be honest, I think a lot of people struggle with this. And what's crazy is we sit in this room and we know the hope of Jesus Christ. We, we have the greatest news on the planet. We have the gospel. And in a world that we live in today, we know what our world needs. Right? We have the greatest news, the greatest hope. We have the peace that every single person is looking for on this planet. But for some reason, we don't share it. And, and, and I, I ask myself, why. why is it that we have such a difficult time, I think, at engaging with people who are lost and inviting them to church and inviting them into a relationship with God? And I think we have all sorts of excuses. Maybe for you, you feel disqualified. Like you're like, man, if people really knew me, I know I'm a Christian and I'm into the whole God thing, but but the reality is is that like I don't feel like I'm that good of a person. Like if you really knew what I did on the weekend or I did right before I came to young adults, I I'm probably the last person that should be telling anybody about Jesus. You feel pretty disqualified. Maybe for you, you don't feel knowledgeable enough. Like I haven't really been a believer for a long time. I really only know what, what you tell me and what you tell me, I don't know if I fully believe. So uh I, I don't really know much about the Bible, and, 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 and I, I like Jesus, and I like the whole thing, but, I, but if someone asks questions, I don't really know what to do, so I, I'm really not knowledgeable. Maybe for you, you're just afraid of what people might think. I, I, I know that I have friends who need Jesus. I'd love to tell them about Jesus. I'd love to invite them to church. But they have no idea I'm a believer. And if they found out I'm a believer, it would really change my workplace. It would really change my school. It would really change the environment that I'm in. But listen, can I tell you that the call of God to go and make disciples is not some request of God. To go and make disciples is not God saying, hey, if you want to, if you got some time for it. No, no, no. God, go and make disciples. He calls you. He commissions you. He commands you to go and make disciples. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to learn how to be a fisher of men. Listen, if you're a believer and Jesus has changed and transformed your life, can I tell you that he did not just do it for you? He did it so that you would be a light to those around you. Jesus didn't just save you for you. In the moment, he did. But Jesus saved you so you might go and seek and find and share with those who don't know Jesus. I think for any believer, I think the greatest fulfillment that you will experience as a believer is when you join in the mission of Jesus Christ of seeking the lost. And I think the reality is, is that I think that we make this a lot more difficult than what it really is. Wouldn't you say like, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I'd be mean, like, I have to say all the right things, do the right things, act the right way. I'd love to tell people about Jesus. I'd love to invite people to church, but honestly, it just feels like so daunting and I don't really know how to go about it. And so I was feeling in my heart that I'm like, man, I just want to give the, the most simplest message tonight to encourage you that you can share your faith. To, to encourage you that, that, that once you said yes to Jesus, Jesus gave you all the ability. Jesus gave you all the authority. Jesus gave you the wisdom, the discernment, the knowledge, the understanding to say the right things at the right time. Can I encourage you that if you're a believer, that this is what God has called you to, and if God has called you to something, God will grace you for it. And so listen, I believe that this is what God has a call on your life. So I'm gonna give you four thoughts when it comes to how do I share my faith with people who do not know jesus and i heard these four things from a pastor like years and years ago and as i was writing this message i remembered it and it's these four things here's number one accept personal responsibility accept personal responsibility you have a personal responsibility that is not somebody else's job to reach your friends that god has put this on you that it is a personal responsibility but you have to first accept the responsibility i've learned in life that behavior it follows belief listen if you don't believe that you're responsible for seeking lost people then you'll never do it if you if you believe that God has called you, that you are responsible, then you will begin to, to alter your life and, and, and change your life in places where you set yourself up to reach out to people who do not know Jesus. Listen, let me tell you something. That God has strategically placed you in, in the place that you're in right now. That God has given every single one of us a, a sphere of influence. A few weeks ago, I talked about How God has entrusted you with things. Can I tell you right now that that God has entrusted you with the family that you're in? That he strategically has placed you in that family? I, I know you hate your family. I know you feel all sorts of things about your family. But can I tell you that God has strategically placed you in that family? Can I tell you that God has strategically placed you at the job that you're at? And I know you're making minimum wage and you hate that job. But can I tell you that God has strategically placed you there? God has strategically placed you in your relationships. God has strategically placed you at the school that you're at. God gives you and puts you in a sphere of influence. And then God's hope is that you would influence those people. Listen, the the word influence is the ability to have an effect on the character, the development, and the behavior of someone else. But I think the reality is that a lot of us, we get influenced by everybody else. We go to our workplace, we go to our school, and, and, we, and we, we know the message of God that he has for us, and, and we go with, with, with all these things, but then we show up to our workplace or our school, and then we allow every other person to influence us. Listen, God has given you this sphere of influence, and God has given you the abilities, God has given you the gifts, God has given you the personality to influence the people around you, to influence the character, to influence the development, to influence the behavior, and ultimately influence that person towards Christ. God has entrusted you with the people that you engage with, and he has hoped that you would influence them. In other words, Can I tell you that it's not God's job to reach them, that it's a partnership, that that Scripture says that we are Christ's ambassadors? In in other words, that that we represent Christ, that we have to make an appeal to other people on, on on his behalf, that we're ambassadors, we're representatives, that we are responsible for the people that God has placed into our life. And you say, well, isn't it God's job to, like... Seek his own children? Like, isn't it God's job to, to reach his own children? Like, a child God, like, it can, isn't it his job? Listen, if it was God's job, then, then why did Jesus say, Go and make disciples? Why did Jesus say, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? Why did Jesus send out the 72 disciples to make them Uh, to to make disciples of all nations? Why, Why did God call Paul to travel from city to city and country to country? Why has God called over the past thousands of years, thousands and hundreds of thousands of pastors and missionaries and evangelists? Listen, God uses people to reach his people. Listen, God uses you in whatever sphere that you're in to reach people. All throughout scripture, God uses people to reach people. We're Christ's ambassadors. That's why you are on this planet. Can I tell you that? That you are on this planet to represent Christ. Now, if you don't know God, that's not your job. That's not your mission. Your first job, if you don't know God, is to come into a relationship with God. We're going to give you an opportunity for that tonight. But once you come into a relationship with God, you are put on a mission, on a new assignment to find people. Listen, this is not just for pastors. I think that maybe we skew that, That okay, if if I was a pastor, I would do that. Listen, I have the same responsibility as you do. When I go to the gym, when I go to my workplace, just because I have a mic in my hand does not excuse me not to go into my daily world of the people that God has given me influence over to still reach. Listen, just because I have a mic in my hand means nothing. All of us are called to be Christ's ambassadors. We have to accept the personal responsibility And then second, we have to build upon a personal relationship. Build upon a personal relationship. I I was thinking about it. I'm king of just telling people about Jesus with no prior relationship. I don't know what it is about me, but I get really angsty, and I'm like, I'm just going to tell them about Jesus. I know I've never met them, and I I know they're just walking down the street, but I'm just going to tell them about Jesus. My my wife is the same way. We get in all sorts of weird situations every time we have a new waitress or something if that's you I'm so sorry but I'm like I just got to tell I just got to tell someone about Jesus and 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 one day I was at the gym and I'd, I'd been seeing this guy at the gym for a long time and he's like he's meathead okay like and not just meathead like the what's up you know and I felt like I was supposed to like invite this guy to church. And not even invite him to church. I just felt like I was like, hey, go build a relationship with that guy. And, and, and I got beside myself one day, and I just I just went up to him and I was like, hey man. Uh, he's like, what's up? And and I, I said, hey, can I can I tell you about Jesus? He said, no. Like, All right, good talk. I'll see you later. And now me and that guy have avoided each other for like for two years. I swear to God, he sees me. I, I'll, he's probably going to key my car one day. But <laughs> like, I, I think that sometimes we we think that to to tell people about Jesus that we have to 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 stand up and be like weird, and we have to tell it like. But, but can I just tell you that, like I said before, that that God has given you this this sphere of influence that that God has already put relationships around you. That that God has already placed these specific people in your family and all these people. And I think that God is just calling us to build upon those relationships that would attract those people to Jesus. It's quite simple. Who are the people in your life? How are you building a relationship with with them right now that would ultimately attract them to want to engage with Jesus? I I, I, I was reading that this week in One of my favorite descriptions about Jesus, and it was actually supposed to be a dig towards Jesus. And Jesus, when he says it, he was referring to what some of the Pharisees were saying about them, about him. But he was saying that the Pharisees looked at him and said, "Look at that man! He's a friend of the sinners and tax collectors." Like trying to throw a dig at Jesus. That guy likes people who are not religious. That guy likes people who are tax collectors. That guy likes people who are sinners. That Jesus was a friend of sinners. People saw Jesus as a friend of sinners. For some reason, sinners and tax collectors, they liked Jesus. but they did not like religious people. They did not like Pharisees, but for some reason, they liked Jesus. Why did they like Jesus? Because he partied with them, because he was like the cool, relevant guy who was like kind of a Christian, but he like was like them and a cool, I don't know. No, you know what Jesus did? Jesus sat with them. Jesus had meals with them. Jesus conversed with them. Now, now Jesus did life with his disciples, but, but Jesus spent a lot of time with sinners and tax collectors. He went out of his way to engage with them. It, it was crazy. They were so intrigued with him. And I read a story today where it says that they were gathered around listening to the words of Jesus. They were attracted to Jesus. Listen, I I think that for for some reason, we've had this thought, I was thinking about it this week, that we had this thought that to attract the world, we have to be like the world. Like, we, we feel like we have to be a lot like the world and sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in there to to reach the world we got to act like the world. Can I tell you you know what the world needs is someone who looks nothing like the rest of the world. Listen, our world is dying right now. Our world is screaming for hope. Our world does not need anything else that looks like the world. What our world needs today is people who look like Jesus. Our world doesn't need people who are just religious or are filled with theology. No, people need Jesus. And who was Jesus to people? How did Jesus attract people? Why were people so intrigued by Jesus? He cared. He listened. He was compassionate. He didn't judge. He talked different. He looked different. He looked nothing like the religious people. He looked nothing like the world. But for some reason, the people of the world were attracted to Jesus, hear me, this is a a noble thought, but non-Christians should be attracted to Christians. Come come on, I don't really think that's the world we live in, but non-Christians should be so attracted to Christians. Believers, we should be the most loving, compassionate, kind, Patient people on the planet. We, we, we should be so attractive in the way that we talk, in the way that we walk, in the way that we engage people, where people want to say, what is different about you. You look nothing like all the religious people that I've heard about. You look nothing like the rest of the world. Tell me why you are the way that you are. Listen, can I tell you that people in our world, they don't need some the- theological debate? They don't need some political debate. What they need is friends. What our world needs is people when everybody else is fighting and backbiting and being horrible to each other. We have people like, hey, whatever, I just love you. I see you. I know that you believe different. I know that you look different. I know that you have some different things going on in your life. But listen, I don't care about any of that because I just love you. I have compassion on you. I care for you. Listen, relationship is important. You know why? Because relationships build trust. Relationships say, I don't want anything from you. I just want everything for you. Okay, listen. Who has God placed in your life? Who are the people around you? What is your sphere of influence? And how are you building upon those relationships? So building upon relationships, that that says, let me care about you. And this third point says, let me share more about me. The third one is this. Share your personal story. Share your personal story. Have you ever tried to tell someone about Jesus and it went really bad? (laughs) Come on. Where where you're like, hey, so, uh, like God, he, he, like, uh, he, 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 like, had his people, and there was like this Passover, and they like slaughtered a lamb, and they (laughs) painted blood over the, and then, and then Jesus came to this earth, and then, uh, oh, yeah, 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 he, he, he he went to the cross, and. And, and he died and there's more blood and, and, and something that has to do with like a lamb. and, and But man, he loves you. He loves you. Do you, you, you want to come to church and, and learn more about this Jesus? <laughs> but we get caught up. It's like, shut up, quit talking. You're like, I don't know how to stop what's coming out of my mouth. Listen, you know what the definition of evangelism is? It's the spreading of the gospel by personal witness. It's the spreading of the gospel by personal witness. Evangelism is not telling people what is wrong with them. Turn or burn, sucker, okay? Evangelism is is telling people what was wrong with you and how God saved you, okay? Listen, the, the Bible says that we are witnesses. And what do witnesses do? Witnesses tell their side of the story. That's what witnesses do. Listen, you're going to have a moment. If, if, if you if you accept the responsibility, if you begin to build upon your relationships, you are going to have a moment when the time is right. And can I tell you how to share the gospel with your friends? Can, can I tell you? And, and, and everybody needs to do this. I want you to go home tonight and I want you to write a, 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 an elevator pitch. A 60 to 90 second pitch of how God has changed your life. And here's how you do it. You tell someone, this was my life before Jesus. I was a wreck. I was lost. I was broken. All sorts of things going on with me. This was the moment that I found Jesus I was at young adults I was at a retreat it was so powerful and now this is what my life looks like since I met Jesus I'm not perfect but I'm trying but I have a new hope I have a new peace I have a new strength this was my life before this is when I met Jesus and this is how my life looks now listen can I tell you that in Revelation it says that the only two things that the enemy can't take from you is the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony The only two things, that he can take a lot of things from you. He can throw a lot of punches at you. He can do a lot of things, but the two things he cannot take from you is the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ did for you, and then the word of your testimony, what Jesus did for you. Amen? So listen, what is so powerful when we build these relationships, we don't have to go to them and say, hey, these are all the things about Jesus. It was like the Old Testament, the New Testament, all the things. No, no, no. This is what my life was like before, and this is what my life is like now. Share your personal story. And number four is give a personal invitation. Give a personal invitation. At some point, we got to bring it all together. At some point, we've been building relationships for a long time. We've been telling people all the things that we know to tell them. But at some point, we have to put our big boy pants on and give an invitation. Whether it's an invitation in the moment for them to accept Christ based on the conversation you're having, or or it's an invitation to come to church, an invitation to come to small group, an invitation to, to come serve or whatever it might be. At some point, we have to give an invitation. And can I tell you the kind of invitation that you give? When Jesus had a moment with the woman at the well, changed everything about her. You know what she did? It says that she went from place to place, and she said, come and see. Come and see. This man who told everything about me that I've ever done. Come and see. And listen, that's all that we have to do as believers. Hey, would you just come and see? Would you just come and see what I think that this Jesus might have for you? At some point, we have to bring these things together. We have to have a personal invitation. Accept the responsibility. Build upon Your personal relationships. Share your story and then give an invitation. Listen, God is not calling you to be some kind of savior for people. God does not need you to be a savior, but God is calling you to be a witness. God is calling you to be an ambassador. God is calling you to be a representative. It's a command. Follow me and I will make you fishers. Of men. I spent a lot of time in the gospels this week and just trying to read a bunch of different stories of Jesus engaging with people and and lost people and, and looking up scriptures that, that Jesus he talked about the lost and he talked about the the hurting and the broken. And and I came across a, a passage and it's in Matthew 9. And Jesus had, had been on the scene for, for a minute. And he was with his, his disciples, and I'm just going to read this, this story. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers to his field. Jesus with his disciples traveling around healing people. But then Jesus sees the masses and it says that he had compassion on them. Jesus fully God, fully man. His heart hurt for the lost. His heart hurt for the broken. Says that he had compassion on them. And then he says to his disciples there's a lot of lost people, but very few people who are willing to bring Jesus to them. A lot of lost, a lot of broken. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Can I tell you how you can begin to align? your heart with God's heart for the lost people. Can I I tell you how you do that tonight? Here's how you do it. You remember what your life was like when you were lost. You remember what your life was like before you sat in a room like this. You remember your life when you were lost, when you were broken, when you had nothing to put your hope in, that you put your hope in every guy, every girl. You put your hope in every substance, everything, every materialistic thing. But then you found Jesus and your life began to shift. I believe that saved people serve people, found people find people, loved people love people. Listen, when you have experienced the love of Jesus Christ, it should be oozing out of you for other people to experience it. Listen, our world is hurting right now. Amen. Our our world is devastated. Uh, The the suicide rate is higher than we've ever seen before. The mental health illness issues are higher than we've ever seen before. Divorce is, is skyrocketing. Like we live in a hurting and a broken world. And at some point, we have to hurt for what hurts God's heart. At some point, we have to say, this was my life before. I remember what it was like. And I don't want to go another day without telling somebody else about Jesus. the other day I was, I was driving, it was probably about five months ago. I was driving and I was coming home from the gym and, and I drive by and I see these, like, a bunch of these construction workers and I felt like God pointed one out to me. He's like, I want you to go talk to that guy. And I'm like, I don't know, God, they're construction workers. They're like manly and I'm not, you know. And they were like on, on the right side, I was driving and and I was like, Nah, I don't know. I, mean, I think I God, I think I missed that one. I think that was something else. And, but I drove past, and and I felt like I was like, Go back and talk to him. And I was like, oh, man. So I so I drove around. I drive past him again. I'm like, nah, I don't know. I don't. I didn't feel that one, God. I don't. God, if, if you really want if you really want me to do that, give me a sign. And so I drive back again, and that guy had walked from. This side over to the other side of the road. Okay. So God was like, I'm gonna make this even more difficult for you. So I literally had to park and I had to walk across both lanes of traffic to get to this person. And he's at one he was alone before, now he's with like a bunch of different people. And I felt like it was such a powerful moment. Because it was actually in the moment with when when George Floyd and all the things were happening in, in, in our culture. And he was a black man. And I felt God call me to go and speak to him and speak to his situation and and tell him look brother I see you I see what you're going through I see your struggles can I tell you that I hurt for you but can I tell you more importantly that God sees you that God loves you that God has a plan for your life and this man he just began to weep and right there on the side of the road in the middle of COVID I began to pray for this man can can, can I tell you there are so many people looking for somebody to reach out to them And you might just be the bridge to do that. But you have to accept the responsibility that your life is not just about you. God saved you so you would make an impact in the lives around you. If y'all stand to your feet. What Jesus has done in your life was never meant to stay in your life. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for everyone present in this room. And God, I believe that you're speaking to us. Lord, I believe that this is your heart for humanity, Lord. This is your heart for your believers. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I honestly I just want to ask one question tonight. You sit in this room and you're saying, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm one of the lost ones. I don't have a relationship with God. I actually feel very far. I've never experienced a relationship with Him. I've gone to everything and everyone and I've always found myself searching but never finding. And I sit in this room tonight and I think that i found what I'm looking for. I I think that I want to come home to Jesus. I realize tonight that I'm a lost one. I'm one of God's lost children but I believe that He wants a relationship with me. I want the hope that He gives. I want the peace that He gives. I want the confidence and the strength that He gives. You're in here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ but you're saying, you know what, tonight, Andrew, I want to start one. If that's you in here, would you just slip up your hands so I, I can pray for you. You don't know Jesus, but you want to start a relationship with him. Amen, I see you. Wow. Uh, amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Pray, you can put your hands down. If you raise your hand, I just want you in your own words just begin to talk to God, maybe it's the first time. You don't have to articulate things perfectly. Just say, God, hey, I'm a sinner. God, I'm lost. God, I believe in you. I believe that you went to the cross for me. I believe you're the only way to heaven. God, I believe that you have called us to this. And Lord, I pray that a bunch of messed up young adults would answer the call and go impact the city of Denver. And all God's people said, amen, y'all. Let's worship.